He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And we're here to give you all the things that are happening. No matter what happens, you're going to learn about it here first. We have breaking news all the time. And we have a great show for you again today uh, in the uh, in the studio with us. We have uh, two common sense Democrats, Richard Weinberg, Judge Richard Weinberg, and Governor David Patterson. Welcome, guys. And a common sense Republican, we have Ed Cox, ten years GOP chairman of New York State. I'm used and, to be out. I'm used to being outnumbered, John. And one common sense guy. <laughs> you're outnumbered two to one. And with me uh, are my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. And this is a TriCast. And uh, WABCradio.com, uh, 770 on your dial, broadcasting from Midtown. And WLIR from Long Island. And 970 AM, The Answer. And uh, guys, there was a big Supreme Court ruling today where where uh, everybody said, oh, crap. Right. I can't say the other four-letter word. Right, right. So, oh, crap. And uh, how do you guys feel about it? Well, basically, let me just preface it. What it is, the Supreme Court shoots down the restrictive gun law. And basically what it does is it bolsters people's right to carry. It doesn't mean everybody can just all of a sudden bring their guns in. And Judge Weinberg, I sent you the opinion, 135 pages. 135 pages. I, I read every uh, every and line. Say, every, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, crap. I said, I said, no, actually, it's a, it's a, reason, crap. <laughs> it's a reasonable decision. They said that there's a Second Amendment uh, right. That you didn't couldn't have a two tier system of interpreting the Second Amendment. They said you have to understand that there's reasonable regulations as to time, place, and manner, and you can have restrictions in terms of somebody's somebody's age or somebody's mental condition or previous criminal record. What you couldn't do is demand, as the New York law demanded, that an individual when making the application had to show a particularized need, a com- compelling need for why he needed the gun. And that's what was knocked down. Only that. So it's not nearly as extreme or drastic as a lot of the words, people it, making it. If you're a legitimate no, it person, really isn't. And also, uh, outside uh, carriers coming into the state have to, through the full faith and credit clause, still respect the state's gun laws. Right. So and you can't go. You you can't be from Texas and just go, come in with your six guns on the side. Uh, no. That, that's exactly so. The point. Everybody, all the politicians that are pandering, and all the politicians that are jumping up and down—that's only an act. Act one, scene one, or it's <laughs> or it's stupidity because it also allows or for localities campaign, to or it's campaign finance. It's a way of raising money for your particular partisan view. Well, and also we have to remember ninety-eight percent of crimes are committed with illegal guns. Okay, illegal guns, right? Ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent. Uh, I, oh, yeah. No, so, Ed Cox, anything from the uh, GOP end? The GOP, GOP here. We got a primary coming up on Tuesday, and there's early Big voting primary. going on. Well, right now, by the way, I think I, we have uh, Melinda Katz calling in. Is Melinda calling in? Let's go to Melinda. Well, the Supreme Court finally ruled on the gun laws in our nation, and mostly affects the big uh, states, the big cities. It affects New York City. With us today is uh, uh, D.A. Katz from Queens County, and uh, uh, we want to see her reaction uh, to the Supreme Court ruling 
Uh, DA Katz, would you please tell us what the, uh, your reaction is? So this strikes down a law that puts restrictions in place on who can carry a handgun in public. Thank you for having me, by the way, today, uh, John. Always a pleasure. Uh, in the case involves a 109-year-old law, you know, which requires anyone who wishes to carry a handgun in public, whether openly or concealed, to demonstrate a proper cause. You know, and that's been interpreted for many years as a special need for self-protection you know, that distinguishes themselves from other people in the community. And the Supreme Court struck down that requirement in New York State today. Uh, and I think it is a really horrible decision for the state of New York. You know, Justice Breyer, in his dissent opinion, uh, talked about how severely burdened states that are trying to curb violence are going to be. You know, the, in a world where we are trying to enact stricter gun laws, states like New York would be severely burdened by this. Um, but I do want to point out to you, John, there's no immediate change in the law. This has been remanded uh, down to the lower courts. Uh, and as you know, this week, uh, Commissioner Sewell and the mayor uh, all reiterated that the gun laws aren't going to change at this moment. Uh, what do you think the timetable is if it happens? Well, I mean, we need to still look at New York's law. It, it has to be remanded into the lower courts. Um, but we also need to remember that this in no way stops us from putting different restrictions uh, and, and requirements of getting a gun and being able to carry one in public, right? You could still have, to have background checks and training and mental health requirements and fingerprints. You can have, and I know the governor is talking about sensitive locations where you can't carry a gun, whether you're permitted or not. Look, I think that we are in New York State bleeding gun violence and we need to make sure that we do everything we can to lower gun violence lower the market for guns and make sure that we don't have a lot of guns on the street this goes exactly the opposite i think of what we need and uh, i I'm a, I'm a firm believer that uh, in the second amendment but this like you said it's got to be the proper restrictions uh age psych psychiatric uh analysis uh your neighbors telling you being able to tell people that uh, you're psychologically okay to carry a, a weapon, et cetera, et cetera. There should be uh, some checks and balances. Is that correct? There has to be checks and balances, and those can still be in place according to the uh, Supreme Court today. This really just strikes down the one clause. But the legislature is meeting very soon, I'm told by the governor's office, in order to um, make sure that we have more restrictions to make sure that there are still the checks that we have here in New York State. You know, this is not a time to be having more guns on the street. Firearm violence is public health crisis. And easier access to weapons and fewer restric restrictions is certainly not the way this state wants to go or needs to go. No, I, I understand that, but 97% uh, of Crimes committed in our city and our state are by criminals, and criminals being illegal guns, and and do we have to be able to take care of things like that? Uh, uh, don't you believe so? I think that you add more guns to the street and easier access to weapons. It is never, ever, I believe, a good combination or a good formula. And this is why the national government right now is doing everything they possibly can. Uh, and a lot of our legislators are doing what they can to hold manufacturers liable for uh, conduct to make sure that we have ways of identifying weapons and making sure that we can 
uh, figure out the bullets to the guns and make sure that we have the restrictions that are necessary on a nationwide level. Because right now we have guns being bought legally in Alabama and South Carolina and Virginia, and they're brought up the Iron Pipeline, and they're sold right now in the city of New York to people on the street. And we're trying to figure out better restrictions, um, not how to put more guns on the streets. Well, District Attorney Katz, thank you for your input, and uh, we look forward to find out the timing of this. And, and I'm sure New York always survives, and, uh, and it will survive, and thank you so much for coming out. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, the DA Melinda Van, uh, Melinda Katz, she had a lousy phone. Boy, what an echo we had on her phone. Mm-hmm. And now I believe we have John Miller on the phone. That's correct. John Miller, he's a deputy commissioner of terrorism, um, intelligence and counterterrorism for the NYPD. <clears throat> he's also the former associate deputy director of the National Intelligence for Analytical Transformation and technology. Basically, he is one smart guy. And we want to break down what does this mean about this new restrictive law? Deputy uh, Commissioner John Miller, how are you, sir? I'm good. And it's good to be back with you. So there's no Texans coming up with their six guns on their side tomorrow morning, are there? Uh, I'm sorry. Say that again. There's no (laughs) Texans coming up across the bridge with sidearms on their side. Oh, well, no, no. That's the wild, wild west. Um, The worry here is that they're going to make this the wild, wild east. Mm. So what does this mean? Because a lot of people seem to be confused, but the law doesn't really change. Can you explain that to our listeners? Sure. So the first thing is it doesn't mean anything today. Nothing changes today. Nothing changes tomorrow. So let's go through the mechanics of it because it's actually important. Uh, The Supreme Court took on the issue of whether New York State, as one of the six states in the nation that makes people prove a a special need to carry a concealed weapon, whether New York State has that right under the Second Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees the right to bear arms. So the court ruled that New York State does not have the right to tell people that they have to demonstrate a special need. They just have to demonstrate in order to obtain a legal pistol license for concealed carry that they're not a convicted felon and that they fit the criteria of the license. So that's what the Supreme Court ruled. Now, why is nothing different today after that ruling? Uh, Because what the court did was, after making that finding, they sent the case back down to the Court of Appeals here in the Second Circuit, where the original case was brought. And basically said to the Court of the Appeal, the Court of Appeals, okay, now you have our constitutional judgment as to whether that rule has to go or not. So there it is. Now go back with your plaintiffs and your defendants and go back to litigating your case. So it'll find its way back to the court, and the parties will find their way back to that courtroom, and they will re-argue, well, what should the parameters be now based on the Supreme Court ruling? So that means in the weeks or months to come, They'll have to hash through that. Um, So what could happen? What could happen is that a lot of people who don't have a need that they can demonstrate to carry a concealed weapon uh, may apply, and that the number of licenses for concealed carry may surge from where it is now, which is about 3,500 people who have business carry licenses, um, and then a couple thousand more who have licenses to carry as guards, but only on duty and only while they're at work and they leave that gun behind. So really, the relevant numbers 
the 3,500 and what that number might go up to if many people apply to carry guns. So, Commissioner uh, Ed Cox here, you don't need to have a special need to have a gun at home for self-defense. Is that right? That's right. And that's a lower bar in terms of issuing the license. Now that lower Um, bar is extending to if you have a concealed weapon outside your home. Is that is that in essence the essence of the decision? So that is the essence of the decision, but with a caveat, which means and we get back to nothing changes today. If you have a business premises license at your store or your place of work, if you have a residence premises license at your home, this ruling does not convert that license to a carry license. You will still have to go through an application process, if you so desire, um, to get a license to carry that outside. So that's kind of the mechanics of it. Deputy um, Commissioner John is, Miller, so this doesn't mean if we have a gun at home, we can come and bring it then into the city and carry it with us wherever we want. No, that's correct. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... You know, people have a lot of questions. If you have a gun at home and you live in the five boroughs and you have your door locked and all of a sudden somebody gets into your apartment, you have the right to shoot to kill? Well, you have the right to defend yourself against deadly physical force. So if somebody comes in your apartment and they're charging at you with a crowbar um, and you have your legal gun at home, um, that is one of those things that uh, a district attorney would probably say, we're not going to prosecute you for. On the other hand, if you go into the kitchen and the burglar is pouring himself a glass of milk, you can't blow his head off. That's another one that's going to go to the district attorney because you're really going to have to articulate um, what was going through your mind and why you perceive deadly physical force, which caused you to react with the same. Deputy you know, Commissioner uh, Miller, this is David Patterson. Do you think that the proliferation of illegal weapons, that there's so many of them now, uh, as compared to years ago, that now really the issue of what you do to get a license is really kind of minuscule compared to what is really the cause of crimes these days? Well, I I think that there is a discussion that went on, which is... um, You know, should people who fear crime um, be able to obtain guns to carry in the street uh, because there are more shootings and more crime? Uh, History has shown us in the other places where this has occurred that that has led to more people getting more guns than more people getting stolen out of their homes, guns found by their children who have accidental shootings and shoot other children people who get depressed for other reasons and commit suicide because the gun is readily available right there. So nobody can really tell a story that says any great good has come from these kinds of changes in other places. We do know that if you go into a situation where there's a lot of restricted locations where you cannot carry your firearms, whether that's hospitals or schools, um, that people tend to leave those in cars and the cars tend to get broken into and the guns tend to get stolen which then means legally obtained guns are now turning into illegal guns in the hands of criminals. So um, the mayor, the police commissioner, and every police officer um, has a grave concern that putting more guns on the street of New York is not going to come to a good end. So why is it that a city like Chicago, which has some of the most restrictive gun laws that you can imagine, uh, has 
the biggest number of shooters per capita? Uh, Chicago has its problems. Philadelphia has its problems. But I think we get lost in this gun control argument, which is that somehow the flow of guns into New York is responsible for the uptick in violence. There's a simple fact. Eighty percent of the people we arrested with illegal guns remained out on the street for a couple of years, and we're starting to see an improvement there. But the fact is, the year we had the lowest gun crime in the history of New York since 1948, when a million fewer people lived here, was 2017, 2018, where we had um, under 800 shootings, under 300 murders. And that's because when people got arrested, um, if they were persistent violent felons, they went to jail and then they went to prison. Um, That's no longer the case. Exactly. It's the people, not the guns. It's usually the same people committing the same crimes from the same communities over and over again. One last question, Deputy Commissioner. What if, say, somebody's visiting from Texas? That was what John was alluding to, and they've got their guns. Can they come on and bring it to New York City because they're afraid of somebody shooting them? (laughs) The answer is no, ma'am. No, ma'am. There you go. (laughs) You like my little Texas drawl there? Yeah. Y'all, so keep your guns home. But that gun is as legal um, here for the license holder from Texas. Oh, did we lose him? I worked in South Carolina where it's beautiful and peaceful. And let me tell you, they were shootings yeah, all York. the time. Armed robberies left and right. So I, my, you know, the more fine, guns the other question does is, not mean well, more safety. If this is passed along and every shopkeeper in every bodega had a, a shotgun or a gun, uh, will, will the criminals panic? Do you can you shoot somebody that's stealing Hagen dust? It's not it's not humorous, but it's uh, I guess no, you the, have to be in a reasonable apprehension yeah. that you're in physical that your life right. is in danger. That's right. Just, oh, I d- I defer to the judge on all legal. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. It feels good to have that responsibility again, Commissioner. I appreciate that. Very good. Well, Commissioner, you have so ruled. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and explaining it to uh, all New Yorkers, and uh, God bless you. And we need a blessing for New York too, Commissioner. Well, I appreciate that. And and as we speak, I'm on the way to uh, the scene in Brooklyn where we've had a police officer grazed by a bullet, fired by a criminal um, who he was uh, confronting in an illegal activity, and uh, the mayor and the commissioner are on their way to the hospital to see that officer. Wow. And, Thank God he seems to be okay. Um, One but, additional thing. Is the officer okay that was thrown down the steps of the subway? Yeah. He had uh, injuries to his wrist, injuries to his knee, because when he went to assist that man who threw himself down the stairs, um, he went to render aid. The individual attacked him, threw him down the rest of the stairs, so they rolled down together, and then was trying to wrestle the gun from his holster. So, um, so he... Um, he held his own, uh, but he's okay. Uh, Deputy Commissioner, the guy who shot the cop in Brooklyn, has a suspect been caught? Uh, no, that search is going on right now, and that's where I'm on the way to the scene. All right, well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, see you later. Let's take a break, and when we come back, what the heck is going on in the markets? We're going to have Charlie Gasparino. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. 
Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. We've uh, covered it pretty good about what's going on with the, the gun law, right? I think everybody's got it straight now. No need to panic. No need to freak out anymore. But I am still freaking out about inflation, about the stock market. What the heck is going on? We got Charlie Gasparino on the line. He's an expert when it comes to everything financial. Hi, Charlie. Hey, guys. Um, so, I mean, you know, Powell spoke today. Jerome Powell, the FCC. Uh, the, uh, I missed uh, the, today's uh, discussion. Show. Yesterday he was listening to what I had to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Here's the thing. This is interpretive, and um, you know, Bill Ackman, the uh, hedge fund manager, has a really good thread on Twitter um, unpacking some of this stuff. And I, I suggest if you care about where the markets are going and where how the Fed's going to approach inflation, which will dictate a lot about what the, where the market's going, I would I would go to Bill's Twitter page. It's it's I think it's at 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 Bill Ackman, it's worth a read. And, and, you know, I kind of agree with this. The markets, what he's saying is that Powell's in, in presentation is so dovish that he actually sounds like he's not serious about addressing inflation. So then what you have is um, markets all over the place, not figuring out how to interpret what he's saying. So if he's dovish, then stocks go up, right? You know, he's not going to maybe raise rates that much. Um, bonds go down. Uh, I mean, he's not going to deal with inflation. So, I mean, there, it's it literally, it, it is a sort of, it, it is a misinterpretation, at least according to Ackman, about what's really going on. Because the the Fed's actions and what they're saying in what other Fed commissioners are saying is that, or governors are saying, is that they're going to do whatever it takes to, to uh, deal with historically bad inflation. And uh, and so the markets are misinterpreting the d- dovishness coming out of Powell, that he is really going to address inflation, that we're going to get another 75 basis points in uh, at the next meeting, and maybe another one after that, and that uh, things could get pretty rough. Um, so be real careful out there. Charles, the 10-year... The ten-year uh... T-bill almost went below three today during yes, the day. That's and, uh, and And that's the way I interpreted it because I was on Fox uh, uh, that morning, and I said there's two ways to deal with it. We either flood the market with new – with American crude oil from Canada, Alaska, from North America, and bring the back uh, the uh, uh, oil back down to $55, $65 a barrel. Yeah, and 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 if we flood the market, fifteen million barrels a day, we can do that and get rid of inflation. Well, now, so what the bond market is saying is flashing is recession, um, and so the, the, I, I misspoke a little there. The bond market is actually taking him seriously. They think he's going to raise rates dramatically, and that there's going to be um, we're going to hit a recession. Okay, so that's what you're getting there, and that we will have, and that also that you know we have inflation that's going to be going on for a while. Um, so just remember that's what the bond market's saying. So we're going to it's flashing recession and higher interest rates. The stocks are doing the opposite. The problem, John, with what you're saying, it, it, it's, I'm not saying it's problematic. It's logical. That's what you should do. You but it's not going to happen. It's uh, not going to happen. So, yeah. what, so how do you deal with inflation in, a, in an environment where fiscal policy is restrictive, right? 
high regulations, not drilling for gas. You 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 laid it all out. They're not cutting taxes for you know particularly for corporations. They're not doing stuff that increases the supply side. If you don't do that, then how do you get rid of inflation? Well, you gotta you, you need restrictive monetary policy, which is what the Fed is signaling it's going to do. The markets, though, for some reason they don't believe him. I mean, that's why the market's up today. He started speaking. He sounded dovish. People started buying stocks. And it's an election year, thing. Charlie. But he's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's no escaping it. He has to do it unless he wants to go down as as the guy that created this massive inflation thing where he's going to look like – I don't know if you ever hear the name Arthur Burns. He's kind oh, of I a, remember Arthur Burns, yeah. Charlie Ed Cox. notorious Fed chief that, you know, that allowed inflation to get out of control and he was replaced by Volcker who – did the opposite. Volcker goes down a hero despite some tough years. Arthur Burns goes down the goat. Not not the greatest of all time, but a goat. <laughs> <laughs> but but not you, Tom Brady. You, you knew yes. from his actions what Volcker was going to do. He was consistent. Right. Uh, Powell has not been. It's not just the way he talks, but it's what he does. The Fed the Fed put back and forth. Maybe he's going to do it. Maybe he's not. Uh, no, I know. You know, he hasn't helped his own cause. There's no doubt about that. But if you read Ackman's piece, and I keep blaze it out, it, it's like you know twenty. It's a, it's like a twenty. What, what do you call those things? It, it's it, it's in twenty parts. You know, strings, <laughs> Twitter strings. Uh, that he lays it out that they're going to have. They're going this way. And you know this not just because of Powell, who sounds like a wimp, a dove, but because the other ones are out there saying we're going this way. So the Fed is signaling to the markets we're going this way. Don't misinterpret us. But So, Charlie, are we headed for the dreaded stagflation where you've got the economy that at the very least is stagnant, maybe even going to a recession? At the same time, you got inflation. It takes a while to wash out inflation. Yeah. And we I mean, got an election know, it, coming it, up, it too. It kind of feels that way because <clears> – <throat> Because bonds are moving in a weird way. Listen, theoretically, if the Fed is really going to go after inflation, right, you would think bonds would trade higher. Interest rate, oh, excuse me, rates would go, rates would go higher, right? They're they're down today. They're down again today, right? Yep. Uh, you would think that's the case. But so the bond market is flashing recession. The stock market is flashing more dovishness, more uh, you know, more 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 inflation. So you do have you do have like this dichotomy between both markets. Now, the bond market is usually a smarter indicator, just so you know. I've always found that. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of a scary time in the markets. It's hard to figure out exactly what the markets are saying, how they're interpreting all this stuff. The only thing we do know is that mortgage rates are going up, right? Mm-hmm. There's no yep. doubt about that. You read that, they, even though this, the, despite the fact that the ten years down mortgage, by the way, they're sticky going down. You know that, right? They stick high, they they stay high after they hit a certain level, and they're sticky going down. So mortgage rates are up, so that's going to slow housing. There are there is a and, and the Fed is definitely signaling it's doing another seventy five basis points, whether Biden likes it or not. So it's you know I, it's hard to sort of interpret this and and parse through it. I would just say as an investor. If I'm if I'm like giving you advice, I would be like, you know, you got to have a, a significant cash cushion here. 
you you have to you know pick your spots your inflection spots look for when things get really cheap they're not cheap really yet i thought muni bonds were cheap a couple of weeks ago um which they were it was all almost in crisis if you buy the exact muni bond you could get some good values i'm not talking about a fund a bond cuz you especially if it's a shorter term and it's you know you know you you've done some research on the credit rating on the credit itself that's like a smart thing to do right now because the bond muni's got got crushed and you know, if you play that out, you can. You, it's kind of a safe investment. But everything else is kind of. You've got to be real careful right now. Charlie, what does it mean when uh, Jay Powell contradicts the president of the United States? Yeah, see, now that's a political thing. <clears throat> you know, so he's doing his uh, job. He's kind of doing his job, and you know, he also let's be fair here. He's also contradicting himself. I mean, he's the one who said there was transitory inflation way back when, right? So um, and now know, he's saying that it was already there and Putin yeah. didn't cause it, but it yeah. exacerbated yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, give him credit for fessing up. But uh, I mean, it's so obvious that Putin didn't cause all of it. I mean, this is this is a long time coming. It was, you know, if you're going to if you're going ha- to shut down an economy, I mean, this is all about shutting down the economy which was an experiment that this country I don't think has ever gone through not even the you know the, the Spanish flu I don't think we were totally shut down I, I mean I, I that was something I've never thought I'd live to see like when my wife told me I'll never forget I was at Fox like 2 days before the shutdown or 3 days I was doing a late night show here Tucker Carlson or Martha McCallum I can't remember which one it was she says you know the, everything's going to be shut down next week I said no way are you kidding me? You can't shut down an economy. You can't shut down the whole city. Oh, yes, it's happening. And I'll never forget, I went to Avra at 61st Street in, off Madison. And I, went, you know, I was on a Thursday because I was working late. Usually it's hard to get in there. Even on a Thursday, it was empty. And I'm like, wow, they're really going to do this. So People think about that. We, we shut down the U.S. economy. Drove people nuts, we, and we did it for a long time. Remember, forget about two weeks to flatten the curve. Did it for a long time. Then all of a sudden, after a, like a I don't know, six to eight months, almost a year, we opened up, and people went nuts, and they wanted to spend, and they wanted to go out, and they wanted to do things that you normally do. And we didn't have the oil supply for that. At that point, we were actually cutting back are drilling. We were cutting. We, we we had we had regulations in place to make it more difficult to explore and to and to to refine. And uh, you know, if you didn't think there was inflation coming from that, you you, you know, you got to be crazy. And then we spent so much money. We gave people stimulus checks. They were going nuts buying stocks. I mean, it was just it it really was a a wacky two years. And you know, there's going to be an unwind to this. Um, and I think the unwind is going to be messy, and, but you know, don't. I think it's hard to extrapolate one day in the markets about where the, the unwind's going. You know what I'm saying? But because if the Fed is telling you it's raising interest rates, it's going to do everything it can to get int- inflation below two percent. That's the signal. That means much higher rates for a really long time, and that's got to take down stock be- prices. Before we go. It's still the reality. If Biden wanted to open up North America, we can get rid of inflation. But he won't. And he the won't. recession will not be necessary. He won't. He won't do anything for the supply side of the economy. I mean, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders is running the economy. I mean, Joe Biden, that's who he takes his cues from. Look, very who sad. Look, who's in his, look who's in his cabinet. Look who he, he appoints to these regulatory positions. It's very sad. We're going into a recession that's not necessary. That's Amer- true. The American people have to know that. 
We're going into a recession. It's not necessary. Charlie Gasparino, we love you. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Appreciate Take it. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now we have. Now we have on the line with us uh, former Senator Joe Lieberman. Hi, hi Senator <laughs> Lieberman. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? We're going into a recession. We don't have to go into well, I hope not, but it, you know it might be so. I mean, uh, I heard the end of what Charlie said. There's no question that um, the the basic economic laws are working, including <clears throat> supply and demand. Uh, so we have to rebalance this economy because uh, uh, we, we we went through a trauma with uh, the uh, particularly with the uh, pandemic, and it's been uh, exacerbated by the war. In Ukraine, so for instance, uh, oil supplies have uh, obviously been dislodged, and uh, their their price has gone up. But I think the basic economy, American economy, is still still pretty strong, John. I mean, the 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 economy is growing. We're forcing it. I agree with you, Senator. The economy is very strong. People are spending money. Uh, People, but they're going to force it into a recession. By raising interest rates, where uh, are your relatives going to buy a new house if they have to pay over six percent interest on a thirty-year mortgage? Yeah, only if they really need to. In other words, they're going to put it off if they but, if they can. So, I mean, this is if a, your disposable is, income. Let's keep it simple. If your disposable yeah. income is uh, forty thousand dollars for a house, and the interest rate is two and a half percent, you can pay a million dollars for that house. Yeah. If you want right. that house and the interest rate is six percent, that's sixty thousand a year. You don't have the money to pay a million dollars for that house, but you'll maybe you'll offer seven hundred thousand for the house. Right. So that means right. the prices of homes are going to come down. No, no question. I mean, to. so so look, um, uh, what what has been said is true, which is an, and maybe it was an emotional or maybe it was a political reaction to the pandemic a lot of federal money was put into the economy probably more than was necessary the uh the fed uh stayed with uh the uh the low interest rates and the big money supply uh for a long time and now it's 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 hitting it's pulling back uh really quickly and tough so i i still believe and they got to be careful about this it's up to Mr. Powell and the Federal Reserve, if if they're just methodical about it and don't whack the economy with higher higher rates, it's possible we could still have a, a so-called soft landing. And my own hope is that the, uh, which is to say, the economy doesn't go into recession because we don't uh, raise the rates too high too fast. And then I think the natural strength in this economy uh, comes back. And obviously, there's some things that. The government could do about something as basic as oil supply, because um, this is supply and demand. We we got to encourage our friends in the Middle East to put more out. Uh, sure, we should investigate the oil industry to make sure it's not cheating consumers. But really, uh, the, uh, and the gas tax really won't affect uh, holiday won't affect uh, much of anything for many people at, at all. If there's a way. And it can't happen overnight. The, the example way. I gave on that gas tax, that 18 cents, it's, it's right. like putting a Band-Aid on a, on a real infected wound, and you're going to end up losing your leg. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I, I only laugh out of appreciation for your metaphor. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not funny. 
But, uh, no, it's uh, and, you know, as you can see in Congress, not just Republicans, but Democrats uh, have been either opposed or raising questions about a gas tax holiday. Incidentally, it also takes money out of the infrastructure, the Highway Trust Fund, which was supposed to, in part, finance the big infrastructure uh, uh, bill, which will help to get the economy going again. So uh, I I think more oil supply and figuring out a way uh, without abandoning our interest over time in reducing uh, uh, climate change to to, to let the American oil industry uh, uh, develop more to, 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 to produce more to our benefit. And that, that'll really reduce prices because it'll increase supply. Understood. Um, Israel. Yeah. I understand the, the, the government is going to be uh, toppled. Or what, what's going on there? Yeah, well, the Israelis have had a real a problem. This is, would be the fifth election this fall in about three years. Um, the the other the first three ended up with uh, Bibi Netanyahu's party getting most votes, but you know it's, it's, you got to form a coalition government. You got to get 61 because the parliament there is 120, so you got to have a majority. And, and he couldn't do it. On the fourth election, uh, these three uh, Bennett, uh, Lapid, and Gantz came together and they they formed an uh, unprecedented coalition in Israeli history, uh, right, center, left, even for the first time uh, an Israeli Arab party. But everybody assumed it would just, it wouldn't last long. Well, it, it lasted about a year, which is more than most people thought. But then people started to peel away because they weren't happy with one thing or another. And I, th- I give credit politically to Lapid and uh, Bennett that they decided to call the election themselves rather than have the government collapse uh, and uh, which which it certainly looked like it was going to do. So uh, hard to say what's going to happen. I mean, it does slow up some things, unfortunately, that really need to go on. But but Lapid is a solid guy, and I think he'll he'll represent Israel well for, in the interim uh, in its relations uh, with the other countries in the region and with the U.S. as well. We've got a minute left before we have to take a break. You tell us what you like to talk about and tell the American people. Uh, thanks, John. It's always great to be with you. Look, the the uh, um, the thing that bothers me, uh, sort of rising about fifteen to thirty thousand feet, is how divided our politics is, and how the people in the middle, which I still think is most of the people, who just want people in both parties to work together and get something done for the country, they're they're not being really represented in Washington. So I would say today. The good news is on on uh, gu- what they now call gun safety, school safety used to be called gun control. You got a, a, a bipartisan bill in Congress. John Cornyn, Republican, got to give him a lot of credit. He goes before the Republican State Convention in Texas, and they boo him. But I talked to John on the phone today, and he said, I, I just thanked him for his guts, and he said, you know, I appreciate it. But I know that those delegates to that state convention don't represent the Republicans in Texas. And, and uh, he and Chris Murphy from Connecticut and, and a bunch of others put this bill together. Passed, uh, it's on its way to passing the Senate with something like 65 votes, maybe more. And there's some work to do in the House because, you know, people on the right think it's too strong. People on the left think it's too weak. But honestly, first real gun safety, school safety bill in 
three decades. And so there's just a little bit of hope in the air, John, and uh, I thank the people who have made it possible. Senator Lieberman, thank you for coming on, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America. God bless you, John. Thank Thank you. And uh, we're going to take a break in for a minute or so, and we're going to come back with uh, another great senator, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. John Katz and the TVs, 77 WABC. We're back, and now we have one of the greatest senators New York State has ever had. We have with us uh, former Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Uh, senator, what the heck yeah. is going on? <laughs> More nonsense. And by the way, the Democrats holding these uh, get Trump hearings uh, are just overplaying their hand. I, I watched this guy, Adam um, Kissinger, congressman from Illinois. It looks like he's running his campaign. For God's sakes, you know, all of these rumors were coming in. Lawyers were saying to Trump they stole the election. And so he's asking the Justice Department, look into this, look into that. Uh, Maybe he overreacted. But stop trying to go after him. It's over. It's done. Let's look at what we have to do to make this country a better place. Let's look and work to see how can we increase our energy productions. Stop Bernie Sanders and Warren and, and, and the leftists and the former Senator John Kerry from stopping us to produce the gas that we can, the oil that we can, to make us energy independent once again. That's what we have to do. Stop the nonsense. I'll the model for president. Oh, I know. I want you guys to listen to what President Biden said a short time ago as the reason why we're we're still seeing such high prices at the pump. Take a listen. So let's be honest with one another. My message is simple. To the companies running gas stations, and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. What what the heck? What is with this guy? He's lying. He's lying. They don't set the prices. We all know that. But the American people, a lot of them don't Especially realize the oil that. I mean, oils are, it's, it's a commodity. It's traded like a commodity. Senator DeMotta, what happened to your old pal Joe? What happened? He's lost it. He's uh, <laughs> given in uh, uh, to Bernie Sanders. He's given in to John Kerry, who flies his plane all over uh, the world, working against the production of oil and gas. You can't go uh, electric overnight, you jackass. You're ruining the economy. You've created the inflation, Biden, you and your idiots that you're listening to. And you're a bigger idiot than them because you're listening to them. Why? Why? You're killing this country. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be a, a, a great wizard to figure out that we are going into a recession. Remember, I told you that, and it's going to be a tough one. How do you get out of it with energy prices as high as they are? Where do you think you're going to go? I mean, this is absolutely mind-boggling. And what we can do is if we open up our federal lands for development, if we stop putting these kinds of restrictions that make it more costly, more difficult, 
If we get the pipeline coming from Canada, it'll take a year, but a year from now, we'll have a million more barrels at our disposal. We won't have to go around kissing the ass of these dictators to say, oh, can you provide oil to us? <laughs> going down to Venezuela and countries like that where they're tyrants. And I don't think the senator's going to get States. another wedding invite. <laughs> let, me, let me say this to you and ron DeSantis should be our next candidate for president okay when we trump, need him in florida your time get your ego and well he'll never get his ego under control he's not going to be able to win all he can do is cause disruption in the republican party all he cares about is himself enough is enough is enough you had your turn. You blew it. You could have won the election, but you listened to a bunch of idiots. You sent uh, 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 Giuliani to the Ukraine. You talked to the president on the phone. You allowed all you had to do is show Joe Biden in front of the uh, very famous uh, committee in New York bragging, bragging about how he blackmailed the Ukraine how he got them to stop the investigation of his son's company when he said, unless you, within the next six hours, fire that prosecutor, the prosecutor in Ukraine who was going after Biden's company, his son's company, I'm going back and you're going to lose the billion dollars. And then he laughs and he says, guess what? They dropped it. So there was the campaign right there. Not to send Giuliani and a bunch of criminals over to the Ukraine and create this whole thing about yourself. What a jackass. He ran a terrible campaign, and he, and he has himself and the idiots that he listened to to blame. And they Should lost, won, they lost two a, Senate seats in Georgia, which they didn't have to lose. He did not have to lose it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, did not have to lose. And— and DeSantis is the wave of the future. Uh, he had the nerve to take on the ultra-liberals when they wanted to teach in kindergarten, first, second, and third graders, uh, sexuality, human sexuality. Ron DeSantis stood up and did the right thing. And you see the people in Florida who barely elected him last time are going to over-re-elect the, him. The Hispanics in Florida... The Hispanics, the Latinos in Florida are overwhelmingly converting to being Republicans because they want law and order and they want religion. Yep. And by the way, yep. did you and see their pro-family? Did you see that Gillum, who is the Democratic candidate against the Senate, indicted in twenty-one counts? Twenty-one counts. Oh, yep, yep. And well, you know, he wants to be governor. He's thirty thousand votes away from being governor, and he's a drug dealer. Okay, <laughs> Al D'Amato, thank you. Thank you so much for my, coming on. My pleasure. God bless. Uh, let's take a one-minute break, and let's, uh, we're going to come back with Dr. Peter Michalos. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. On the line with us right now is our resident medical genius, a true renaissance man who knows everything about anything and everything, Dr. Peter Mikolos. How are you, doctor? Great to be with you guys tonight. And tonight we're going to really talk about viruses and how they have intelligence. And that was one of the things I was talking about with John last weekend. And this week we see more evidence. I asked you about it two years ago. 
Yeah. And they do things that we don't expect. And basically, we're learning that these viruses are problem solvers and they figure out how to survive. And the New England Journal, the prestigious uh, journal uh, out of up in Boston from the Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital published a paper and said that these new variants that are circulating, the BA4 and BA5 subvariants of Omicron, they're escaping antibodies from people who've had COVID and have recovered and have antibodies and from fully vaccinated people. The good news is that those who are vaccinated generate enough immunity that they avoid severe disease and probably ending up in an ICU, but the antibodies are not working against these new uh, subvariant. Uh, so that's been fascinating. And basically, these uh, viruses, the good news is that the uh, oral antiviral pills basically stop them from multiplying. So they're readily available and people have been getting them. And also the Eli Lilly Biltamivab uh, IV antibody is working against them for the higher risk people so they can go get an IV and treat it. But we definitely will need spe variant specific vaccines. And we know that Moderna is working on them and Pfizer is working on them and other companies are working where we can basically update it just like we update the flu vaccine uh, every year. And getting back to viral intelligence, imagine that these viruses actually, when they infect, they see an infected cell and they skip it and they don't waste their time on that cell to infect it again. They know that that, fell, that cell is infected and they bypass it. So that's a, in, in my opinion, it's a form of intelligence. So, Doctor, China's relying on uh, lockdowns. They are not developing the drugs the way we're developing them. The uh, they don't have any natural immunity. Their vac uh, vaccinations didn't work. Can can the lockdowns keep working there, or are these new variants well, is just going to spread and uh, and the, and well, China's got to change its policies? Well, they have a lot of people living close together. They actually do have antiviral pills there. They are using something called a Fabiflu and a Vifavir, and it's being used in 17 different countries. And the Russians have a Fabiflu, which is a repurposed flu drug from Japan. So they actually have the stuff. But the problem is you have such a volume of people living in such close quarters. And the theory that they're going by is when the virus is not transmitting, it has less chance to mutate. So since they're able to lock their people down so readily, they're hoping that that will result in less mutations. Because basically these viruses, as we talked about two and a half years ago on the CATS Roundtable, they learn to become more contagious, but they become less lethal because they need to survive. Because basically they take over and steal the energy from the body of the human they're infecting. And they basically take over the um, protein so in other replication words, system. What, what you think might happen is the way they communicate is if you exhale a body that's about to be cured, some of the viruses, they might go and hit other viruses and communicate the fact that uh, uh, we're killing this guy and we have to modify ourselves. Right. They modify and they learn to become less lethal and learn to coexist with them. And basically their viruses are locksmiths that slip inside ourselves and they're like carjackers. But uh, I'm glad you guys get the truth out on the Cats Roundtable and Thank you, continue Doctor. to stay safe. Thank you, Dr. Michalos and uh, Judge Weinberg, Governor Patterson, Ed Cox, Lydia Serrani. And we all think that we are we're here for what purpose? Truth, truth justice, justice, and the way. God bless America. God bless New York. We need a blessing. Good show.